Welcome everyone to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I am your host, Antonio Garza, and it has been a rainy, rainy week uh, that I've been having. And actually, that is the reason why I am posting this slightly later than usual, not by much, but slightly later. And that's because I actually lost my internet yesterday as I was trying to watch the final show that I was trying to get into this episode of WRPX and that be Noah. But we did get to watch a lot of stuff during the weekend because it was a packed weekend. Um, some really big, sh like I wouldn't say big shows, but definitely we had some big events happening in Japan. And we're going to talk about some of them. Um, I actually didn't get to watch all of it. I, uh, the one show that I just didn't get to watch uh, was DDT's show where we saw the Sanana Kamina team of Takeshita and Katsumata win the championships from Pisari, um, Okawayashi, and Harashima. And I also didn't get to watch the full show of Noah uh, Muta the World. Uh, that happened on the 27th, but I was just trying to get at least uh, Cage War in because I thought that was way more important to watch. But nonetheless, we have some results to talk about. But the one show that we're going to start with is All Japan Pro Wrestling's Champions Night uh, 2021. The full title is... From the land of the Triple Crown Unification Flight to the 50th Anniversary. Such a beautiful name. So long. Uh, this show took place on the 26th. This was Ota City General Gymnasium. I think one of the venues that has been seeing way more action than it used to. Uh, this show actually managed to get about 1,400 people. So pretty decent. Not, uh, not only for all Japan and... But like, you know, it's a pandemic. And well, the show the show has a little bit of history. Um this is a show that was supposed to take place pretty much right after the Champions Carnival ended, and then it had to get delayed because of uh Japanese restrictions for COVID. And so it got delayed to this date. And then just Almost a week before the show, Suwama tested positive for coronavirus. And because of that, the, t the main event of the show had to be changed. Suwama vacated the title. And so now we found ourselves in a three-way battle series uh, to crown a new Triple Crown champion. Uh, Jake Lee, Kento Miyahara, and Juma Aoyagi, the, the chosen ones. Um... And I think it's interesting. We, we can talk about why they are the chosen ones once we get to, to talking about that match. But before that, like I just want to mention uh, this show. It, yeah, you could tell, like looking at the car, you could tell that they had big plans. They did not expect to have a three-match series. This was a 10-match card, but the final match was three matches, and it could have potentially gone all night. Uh, but like the minimum you could do is three matches or at least, I guess two, but to make it interesting, it would have to be three matches. 
at least. And so it was an incredibly long impact show. I thought that once you saw the whole thing, including the, the main event, there were definitely things that you were like, why did we have this in the show? I think this could have been perfectly okay to main event a lesser Kroakan Hall show, for instance, uh, and and made the show just slightly easier to watch. Uh, there were some a couple of matches. Uh, like personally, I would have moved the Shuji Shikawa title match to a, as a main event of a smaller show. May uh, do the same thing with uh, Total Eclipse versus Honda and Ashino. That was a match that had to be changed because Total Eclipse was going to challenge Miyahara and Aoyagi for the titles. And so they found themselves out of a match. And so this just ended up being pretty much a squash match. Um, so like those little things like you could have reduced and just allowed to your cart to just like be like better paced, allow the main event, which was going to go pretty long to just also like, I don't know, have like slightly better pace or at least not feel so overwhelming when you're looking at the car and you're like, oh my God, it's 10 matches and the last one actually can go way longer. But uh, let's go like from the top, the the show, the results, the show started with Jun Saito defeating his brother, Ray Saito. These are the twins that just recently debuted. This is, I think, either their second or third like uh, actual televised match. And this is, I believe, their first singles match between each other uh, televised. Uh, I would imagine they had many, many matches during training. These guys, they have something. They're super old school. They have a sumo background and so their moves. Like I, I, I mentioned that they look kind of robotic, but as they develop being like that robotness, like it doesn't have to be an, uh, a bad thing. It could potentially become like a strong uh, thing for them just because of how like, like because they're so huge and somewhat robotic, they can eventually make those robotic moves look stiffer. Uh, Jun Saito definitely has the look to be a huge deal. Like he is tall, he's muscular, he is handsome, and and he moves okay. Rei Saito is, I think, he, I, I mean, they're twins. They're not that different, but they actually do, do look different because Rei Saito has a singlet, Jun has pants, and so that makes a difference. Like I don't, I think, as maybe as a personal per perspective. I think pants will always look better than a singlet um, because a singlet, I don't know, like to me, it always tells me you're hiding your, your gut while pants just makes you look like buff on the upper part of your body. Uh, also, like June just has like slightly better hair and stuff like that. Like it's maybe they're insignificant things for many people, uh, maybe like work rate, uh, like nerds. But I do think it makes a lot of difference. And just by that, I think Jun Saito has a huge future. Rei Saito is going to have to fight for that future. But I don't know, like if you are interested to watch this, guys, I would definitely suggest you watch this match just to see exactly what they have. Like, And when I say like they're old school, like they're old school. Like I don't even know exactly like what names to tell you. Like they're not, they're not Keiji Muto and Shono old school. Like they are 
I would say they're more like Baba and Inoki old school. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know, like there's, those are two prospects that I will keep my eyes on for the next two years, just to see how they developed. We had a three-way tag team match, Sugi and Tatsuhiko Takaiwa, the all-timers defeated the team of Nextream, uh, Aoyagi, uh, Atsuki Aoyagi and Rising Hayato and the team of Evolution, Tantamura and Hikaru Sato. The match was five minutes. It was nothing. Sugi got the win because um he eventually will come out to challenge for the junior uh heavyweight championship to um the winner when i watched this match i was like why do we even have this uh and like why let the old timers win i i understood later on that's why but still i i don't know like i would have been perfectly okay having this match in a lesser show in Korakon hall and just remind us that sugi won that match it's okay uh, we don't need to see Sugi winning the same the same show he's going to challenge. Uh, we had the nostalgia show of the night, and that was Masahiko Takasugi, Masanobu Fuji, Ryuji Hijikata, and Shiro Koshinaka defeating the team of Chikara, Osamu Nishimura, Shinji Nakano, and Sushi. Uh, this, well... It was a nostalgia match. It was actually, I think, uh, uh, I think, uh, I think it was dedicated to Jumbo Suruda. <laughs> I was between Fujinami and Suruda. I think it was dedicated to Jumbo Suruda, like as a memorial match. And so that, that gives you an idea of like why this was here. It was, I mean, for what it was, it was okay. It did go nine minutes, and I thought that was way too much for the old timers, <laughs> uh, especially because a lot of some of the matches that we're going to see later on that are far better uh, only got half of the time. But, um, like, I imagine this is a match that they booked because it was going to be a big show, and once they had to move the card around, they were like, damn, we, we can't take away this match from these guys let's just run with it it's okay and so we had the match the match was nothing special a bunch of shtick uh some comedy and really that was it uh at the end koshinaka pinned chikara for the win so it was really nothing uh then we had a all japan pro wrestling tv six-man tag team title match uh the champions black mensore carbal ito and Takao Omori lost the titles to Total Eclipse, Hokuto Omori, Tajiri, and Yusuke Kodama. And if you ask me, this title change has had been built since the Champion Carnival. Total Eclipse, especially that team of Omori, Tajiri, and Kodama, had been pretty dominant for, I mean, pretty much for most of this year. Um, especially, like, because they're building Omori. Like, ever since Total Eclipse came to be, uh, they've been building Omori. Uh, Kodama and Tajiri have been there pretty strongly to support him. And so I think it was just a matter of time before be, like before they got the titles. And it finally happened here. It is, I mean, Total Eclipse is a far better team to have these titles than Black Mansa Ray and Carvel Ito. Uh, especially also because uh, Jake Lee, spoilers, will win the title tonight, the Triple Crown. And so that gives Total Eclipse a lot of power. They do not hold the tag titles, but I mean, maybe later in the future. Uh, but nonetheless, this was an okay match. This only went also like six minutes. Um, it, it really was all about Hokuto Mori, and I think that is the right thing to do. Uh, 
um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hokuto Amori starts chasing uh, junior heavyweight championship gold soon either. I think he is at that position now to start chasing it. Uh, next up, we had the match that I mentioned shouldn't have been discarded. Total Eclipse, Koji Doi and Kuma Arashi defeated Ryuki Honda and Shotaro Ashino. Five minutes, nothing match. We we knew Doi and Arashi was going were going to win because like they were going to challenge for the titles here. They're eventually going to challenge for them later on, so they're not gonna take a loss, um, especially like in a match with, with Honda. You know, like Honda obviously took the fall. So yeah, like nothing match. Um, not worth uh even talking about it and then we had in my opinion it was like one of the strongest matches of the night and if this had gone double the time this would have been fantastic maybe even match of the night maybe because the main event was fantastic but this was strong hearts sima elindaman isei onitsuka and t-hawk pretty much representing gleet this was a, a gleet promotional match uh, they defeated Purple Haze, the team of Suze, Shinhiro Ichi, Iri, uh, Chi, I mean, I butchered that name, I'm sorry, Shihiro Iri, who is actually part of Strong Hearts, but he's also part of Purple Haze, Isanagi, and Utamaro. This match was great. Um, like, it was definitely, I think, a Glee promotional match because it kind of showcased a lot of the guys that will, will be in Glee. And I thought that was uh, pretty good. Uh, the match gave me Zeus versus T Hawk, which was really the the one pair up that I was most looking forward to. Uh, we got some Linda Man versus Sisanagi, which was okay. We got some Iri Sima, like Onitsuka Sima, Iri and Utamaro. I kind of felt like they were just like doing run-ins here and out, but because I like, it mostly felt like it was all about T Hawk, Zeus and Linda Man and Isanagi. But it was a strong match. I like up to this point, I thought it was the best match of the night. It at this point, I felt it was saving the, the show because it had been pretty, uh, I don't know, underwhelming, I guess, in a way. Because uh, it had it was a long show, and at this point, like I was like kind of underwhelmed. Uh, the only problem is that this went less than seven minutes, and I think like this could have been fantastic with double the time. But, the, you know, it's a long show, and you got to get a bunch of stuff in. And one of those other things that we had to get in for some fucking reason was another Joshitatsu cosplaying Inoki in a different style fight. This time he defeated Yusuke Nishijima, uh, who I believe is a boxer, uh, a trained boxer, maybe. Um, yeah, he's a professional boxer. He has competed in kickboxing and martial arts. I believe his record is as a professional boxer is 24 wins two losses so pretty decent but he came here and he lost to joshi fucking tatsu i don't know why like i don't know why we keep having these matches <laughs> to begin with uh joshi tatsu is not a freaking shoot wrestler he's not credible as a shoot wrestler like if you want to do these matches with I don't know, like Chotaro Ashino, or you want to do them with, I don't know, like, freak, I don't know, like Brent Danielson, whatever. Like, anyone who is known to be a shooter, perfect. That's awesome. Like, it, maybe, like, you can do them even closer to UWF. I don't know. But, like, Joshi freaking Tatsu, he's not credible. And then, like, ju just picture this in your head. 
Jusuke Nishijima has like legit boxing gloves. He obviously cannot grapple or mat wrestle. Yoshitatsu brings him down to the mat and starts to grapple. And Nishijima, wearing boxing gloves, manages to counter out and escape the Yoshitatsu locks. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, how much of a geek are you that you can't submit someone who doesn't have, like, usable hands at his disposal and is wearing, like, fucking, I don't know, like, 10-pound gloves? Uh, I, this went three rounds. I hated it. This was the worst thing. Uh, honestly, I believe this, I mean, obviously, with WWE aside, I think this may be the worst thing happening in professional wrestling right now. Like the fucking Joshitatsu Inoki uh, cosplay matches. I hate them. Like, ugh. So at this point, I'm like, let's fucking get it over with. <laughs> let's fucking get this show over with. I think at this point, I we, we're probably like um, two hours in and two hours to go, maybe. So I am just dying at this point. Like all the hype that I got from Strong Hearts is dead. And then we go into the... Three main events. Well, not three main events, but the three title matches of the night. First off, Shuji Ishikawa defeated Juko Miyamoto in about 12 minutes. Gaora TV Championship match on the line. This was quite good. Uh, it kind of like gave me hope for the future. Uh, this was kind of like a... It was a weird hoss fight between a brawler and an old school high flyer. When I say old school high flyer, I mean like... His high flying is not like Ricochet or William Ospreay. He's more of a of a, an old school Muta who does like moonsaults and like running knees, stuff like that, like a little bit of springboard. Um, so it was like a really good combination. It was back and forward. Some some of the stuff like looked pretty heavy because uh, Miyamoto is a big guy. Like Ishikawa's, I mean, we know Ishikawa is freaking huge, but. Miyamoto, I think he's like 5'9", and, and Ishikawa's like 6'5". So there's a size difference, but Miyamoto's not necessarily that small. Like, and he's also kind of like, I wouldn't say jacked, but he is a heavy-looking guy. And so the match did give us some pretty good action back and forward. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. This is a match that I, I totally said, like, this could have been in a main event on another show. But I will explain later what I, why I think this match needed to be in, on this show for sure. Uh, next up, we had the All Japan Pro Wrestling Junior Heavyweight title match. Koji Iwamoto lost the title to Akira Francesco. Uh, this was a big surprise for me. I, like, I kind of knew Francesco was going to win the title eventually. And then he won the, the tournament, and I was like, okay, it, he seems like poised for it. But I was surprised that Iwamoto lost the title only 17 days after winning it. I kind of figured he's going to keep it at least for a month. Um, but I guess maybe it was a matter of they wanted Francesco to win at Ota regardless, but then uh, Sima had the title... And then they had to delay the, the the date, and so maybe Sima didn't want to have like couldn't have the title at this point, and maybe uh, Sima didn't want to drop the title to Francesco, 
I think it may have been a scheduling politics reasons why Iwamoto only had the title for 17 days. But indeed, Francesco finally wins the championship. Uh, the match was really good. Iwamoto, like, he was super dominant, but Francesco had, like, that super underdog uh, match where he just came back and won. This went about 16 minutes, and at this point, this was the longest match of the night, 16 minutes. Uh, so that gives you an idea of how how short the matches were throughout the show. Uh, like, maybe the Joshitatsu thing went longer just because it was three rounds. I didn't really pay attention. I think it was three-minute rounds, so it could have gone longer. But this was a good match. Uh, I don't know. Like like I said, like I think Francesco was just bound to win it. He is a good baby face. I am not super over with him. Um, I don't know. Like I don't see personality in him. I see like a super, like just a good baby face, white meat baby face. But I do not see a personality. Um, but he is for for the most part a homegrown guy. He is guy gene. Uh, so. I think it was just a matter of time. I think also that Francesco being the champion will open the door for a lot of guys to chase him that will feel fresh uh, because Iwamoto has been here like forever. I actually think that at this point Iwamoto should just consider this his graduation match and just go into the the heavyweight division i think i mean i don't think we're getting nomura back ever and so iwamoto can replace what iwamura was supposed to be iwamoto is really really good and so i think he should just transition into the heavyweight like i we should see iwamoto in the champion carnival next year i i believe but um but yeah, and so like I we know that after the match, Sugi came out and challenged Francesco. I think that would be a perfectly okay first defense for Francesco. Maybe uh, I don't know, like defend against Tamura, Hayato, and Aoyagi uh, for a couple of matches. Maybe survive Sato, and down the line you can start the Hokuto Omori and Akira Francesco feud, where Omori finally catches the title. And now we go into the actual main event. The one match that it was like definitely worth watching and worth going out of your way to watch. This was a Triple Crown Championship Series. Jake Lee, Kento Miyahara, and Juma Aoyagi. So prior to my, the, the show, uh, when it started, there was a supposedly like random drawing on who was going to start. And so it came out that it was going to be Miyahara and Aoyagi. Even if it hadn't been a draw, I do think that it, that should have been the case because Lee is still the champion carnival. He's sh the winner. He should have some advantage. And so I think it was just uh, right for Miyahara and Aoyagi to start. And when I was mentioning like why I thought these guys were the right guys to be in it, maybe Seuss had an argument. I would need to double check his records, but Ishikawa was one guy who had wins over all of those guys at the champion carnival but it made sense that he wasn't in this match because he has his own championship and he has to defend it and that's why i thought that the gaura tv title match should take place in this show because he has responsibilities that took him out of this match um i think Zeus would have had a perfectly good argument but i do believe he he does he had some losses against some of these guys so it may be understandable uh but yeah i guess Zeus could have been here 
but nonetheless, the the I think the choices were perfect. Jake Lee is a, the Triple Crown champion. Miyahara is a former champion, and Aoyagi is, you know, he's she's pretty good. And without Miyahara, Aoyagi wouldn't really have much to do because that he was going to defend the titles along with him. But anyway, the the way the things happen is that Miyahara defeated Aoyagi in the first match, 18 minutes, fantastic match, similar to their champion carnival match where uh, they just two guys that know each other really well they counter each other well and they went all out because they both want to win the championship and because they both went all out in the second match Jake Lee defeated Miyahara in 10 minutes because he Jake Lee was fresh and he caught a Miyahara who had just wrestled 20 minutes uh, the only time that Miyahara got to rest was however it took for Jake Lee to come out and disrobe his hideous uh, uh, entrance gear that looked like a medieval Darth Vader. And so that's why he won. Uh, but nonetheless, Miyahara still put up a fight and he managed to tire down Lee a bit. He managed to, to got a couple near falls. And then we went into Jake Lee defeating Yuma Aoyagi. So at this point, Aoyagi had about 10 to 15 minutes to rest. Jake Lee is kind of tired, but he didn't go through 20 minute match with Miyahara. So he, they're kind of like at the same par. Um, and they had a fantastic match, also quite similar to their, to their champion carnival match. They did a lot of a couple of uh, references to, like to how that match ended with Aojagi going for the guillotines, uh, stuff like that. But then towards the end, you could see that the match was definitely Jake Lee's. Uh, he was just like super dominant. Like Aoyagi had some offense in working the arm on Lee early on, which kind of made Lee change his attacks for a while. He was selling pretty decently. Uh, but towards the end, it really did seem like it was Lee. Like he was more dominant. He It was just like a matter of him delivering the, the giant killing, the, the backdrop. And then at the end, he won with the brain buster the one he calls the the d4c and so i like if you want to see the matches separately i would definitely think that miyahara oyagi was the best match of the night but of the three two jake lee versus oyagi i thought it was a really really strong match second best match of the night and second obviously best match of the series and jake lee versus miyahara was good but it was most of a it was like 10 minutes, half of the time. Uh, the story was different. They didn't really develop much. And so it's hard to say that it was like a stronger match than most. But nonetheless, I think it was like if you see the whole series as a match, as a product, I think it was just like perfect storytelling, good pacing. Um, I think Aoyagi looked fantastic. He pretty much went 40 minutes in total because Lee and Aoyagi went, I think, like 18. And so he went almost 40 minutes. Uh, and then Miyahara and Lee went 30 minutes each, back-to-back, uh, -back, really. And so, I don't know. I think it, it worked out perfectly. And at the end, after the match, uh, both Shotaro Ashino and Chuji Ishikawa came out to challenge. Jake Lee was like... I don't know, you guys figure it out. And I do believe they're going to have a match to select who will be the number one contender. But that was it for the show. I 
I thought the, the, the show was okay, but I did think it was way too long. I did think a lot of the matches in the middle were just like super filler, super unnecessary. Um, but at the end of the show, I did end up with a really good like taste in my mouth because it was a really, really like the last three matches were definitely really, really good. Uh, like strong, strong matches. And so I think at the end, I do walk away saying that this was a good show. Just like, I mean, it's not a fantastic legendary show. I wouldn't even say that you have to go out of your way to watch it, but it was a good show. I thought Aoyagi was the man of the night. He just looked fantastic. Um, so sometimes I hear people review all Japan and think that there is nothing beyond Miyahara and that Miyahara has to main event. And if it's not Miyahara main eventing, like it's not that good. And I mean, Miyahara is fantastic, but I, I honestly think that this main event should had to be Aoyagi and Lee. I think those two guys are, are the guys that need to be showcased in strong position. And I do hope that we get a, a Lee versus Aoyagi, like proper singles match for the title. I'm pretty sure we're going to eventually get Lee versus Miyahara too, but I do think, hope we get Aoyagi there, like his own match. So that was uh, All Japan Champions Night. Uh, I want to imagine that at this point they fixed their their chaotic booking. Or not booking, but just like their chaotic planning up to this show because, man, like things were just hitting them left and right. But I hopefully, like now the title is, are, most of the, all of the titles are with the right people. Lee has a title. Total Eclipse has a trios. Miyahara and Aoyagi has the tag. Um... Uh, and Francesco has a junior. I think all the titles are where they need to be. And so now they can continue uh, just booking how they need to book. Like All Japan had been pretty decently booked last year. Um, so I, I I have faith in Ishikawa that he will do a good job. Another show that I watch over at Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. They had their show also on the 26th at the KFC Hall. This was Stand Proud 2021. This was arguably a, it was an okay show, uh, totally skippable. This match, this show I watched because of the main event where Miyu Yamashita defeated Sakisama. This, like to me, this felt like a big deal because Sakisama is kind of like that final boss or not even final boss. She's like a secret boss in the promotion. She doesn't usually mix up with the title she doesn't usually uh have singles matches with a lot of people or that that are not like just like random <laughs> uh and so i i thought it was a good I, I thought it was a good match on paper uh because yamashita i don't she never had a win over sakisama uh and sakisama has never won the championship and so there was that like that little story of okay, so can Yamashita defeat can she finally defeat Sakisama or will Sakisama finally get the title? And I don't know, like to me, when Yamashita won the title so she had, so that she could defend it at Cyberfest, uh Cyber Fight Festival, to me it kind of felt like okay, so maybe it's just a matter of having a title for that show. But then once we're done with that show, we can get the title off Yamashita. Like I don't know if they wanna have her 
run wild with the championship for a long time and so i was like okay so let's see what happens here i was curious uh indeed yamashita defeated sakisama uh it was about 17 minutes it was an okay match sakisama is not a work rate type of wrestler she's really good character but she's not a work rate type of wrestler a lot of her moves look awkward uh but I did think she brought out something in Jamashita that not a lot of people bring out of her, and that is she pushed Jamashita to look more impressive because Sakisama is so much taller than Jamashita, so that if Jamashita wanted to do certain moves, she really needed to push herself to make them look good. Like if you want to do like a crash rabbit he on on Sakisama, you have to jump higher. If you want to do uh, like your spinning back kick, you have to push higher. And so that was like really good. That was a really good uh, aspect of the match. It really pushed Amashita. But like, I didn't think the match was anything spectacular or anything. Uh, like, and I, I started thinking like, this could have been like a really big marquee match because you can build a really big story between these two. But I can also understand that you put this on a bigger show and the work rate is not going to live up to the spectacle. And so I figure, you know what? Uh, a 200 people KFC Hall main event, maybe that is where this belongs. Uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know. Like if you if you like either woman, I think you should go watch it. But other than that, you can totally skip this match. And if you're skipping this match, then you can really skip the whole show because I didn't think the show itself was much of it. There were some developments, but nothing special. From the top, Makito and Nodoka Tenma defeated Kaya Toribami and Mirai Miyumi. I I'm actually really getting into Toribami. I like the look. I like the style. I think she has potential. So that is another name that I'm going to keep my eyes on. Uh, Rika Tatsuma defeated Arisu Endo and Yuki Kamifuku. I thought this was actually one of the most fun matches of the night uh, because all three women are somewhat different and it being a three-way, it kind of helps like Kamifuku hide some of her deficiencies. It helps Arisu Endo like, just also like come in and out. Rika Tatsumi looked fantastic. So I, I, I had a lot of fun with this match. Moka Miyamoto and Shoko Nakajima defeated Miyu Watanabe and Yuki Arai. The match was pretty fun too. Um, I mean, this was really all about Nakajima and Watanabe, but obviously they're, the showcase is on Yuki Arai, who they're trying to build up. She did show a couple of new stuff. She, like, Matt wrestled and stuff like that, so that was a good... I don't know, like she's showing improvement and I think that is all that we can hope for at this point. Uh, Miyamoto actually got the win over Arai because she does have like, uh, I mean, slightly more experience and so she got the win. And like this, I think was like Miyamoto's either second or third actual like herself winning like pin. And so good for her. She's also uh, developing. We had the match that I probably hated the most. I don't know. I mean, I know why it was in this position of the show, but like to me this was an opener Pom Harajuku, Raku and Yuki Aino defeated Haruna, Haruka Neko, Hikari Noa and Susume to me the only thing that I wanted to watch between these six women were Hikari Noa and Susume wrestle and they were in the same team uh, but this was in this part of the show because Raku 
defeated uh, Hikari Noah. Uh, and so we are going to see Raku chase Noah's championship. Uh, it's okay. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Raku. I think she's an okay wrestler, but she does more shtick than good wrestling. And that hurts her, uh, at least in my eyes. And so I'm not excited for Noah versus Raku. And I wasn't excited for this match. But like I said, I understand why it was in this point of the show. And the only other match that we are missing is the Magical Sugar Rabbits. Mizuki and Yuka Sakasaki teamed up with Marika Kobashi to defeat Hyper Misao, Mahiru and Naoka Kuta. This was super fun. Uh, I thought Marika Kobashi looked fantastic. She was total baby face. She was wearing all white. I mean, she still has her, her style, but she was wearing all white and kind of like yellow, goldish, orange. Uh, to go with her hair, she looked fantastic. She actually got the win over, I think it was over Naoka Kuta, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was Kiryu. But this was fun. Uh, I mean, Yuka Sakasaki and Mizuki are always fun to watch, especially when they're together. And so I enjoyed this. Um, I did think this was going to be Sakasaki's final match before she goes on excursion, but I do think she wrestled at least one more show. So no goodbyes yet. And yeah, and that, that was it. That was the show. Uh, like I said, totally skippable unless you are interested in watching Yamashita versus Sakisama. Um, the, the, the cool thing about the show is that it was live on Friday night, my time. And so I was able to watch it live while I was like, uh, I don't know, like just chilling after work. And so it was an easy watch. Like I, I started with Makito and Tenma, like the opener. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I'm missing some matches. But now, like I, I ended up watching the whole show and like I was done early and I was like able to just do other stuff because it was a short show. So, I don't know, like, if you have the time and if you have the interest, go watch this. But otherwise, totally skippable. And the last show that I want to talk about, um, and this, this show, I did manage to watch it all of it, eventually, after my internet came back, was Pro Wrestling Noah's Cage War 2021. And this was, this was a noteworthy show. I wouldn't say it was a good show. Well, it was a good show. I wouldn't say it was a, like, match show of the year contender or anything like that but it did have a match of the year contender in Masaki Tamiya defeating Katsuki Konakajima in a hair versus hair steel cage match steel cage matches are not common in Japan uh, outside of like the, the death match and hardcore stuff um, and so it was a big deal they actually brought in Bull Nakano for commentary because she is one of the many few who, do, who actually has steel cage experience and this was freaking brutal like it got to the point where it, some of the spots felt unnecessary they're doing a lot of like shoot uh headbutts um at one point kitamiya w did a senton from the top of the cage like straight to his back Nakajima did a drop kick from the top of the cage and like did that, that that one didn't seem as bad but I mean he's still falling from the top of the cage and both guys were bleeding profusely I'm pretty sure Kitamiya's bleeding was uh done the hard way uh because it was a lot of blood and but it was a fantastic match it was 
like it was weird because we just saw the breakup like not long ago and it kind of felt like they were running the thing backwards but i i i didn't mind it especially because of how they're going to proceed with this story and i'm starting to get the idea that the whole story between nakajima and kongo is like we're halfway through it but i do think they lost inamura and now they lost kitamiya because of nakajima and now we have been told that um kitamiya wants to team with kiyomiya um to like because okay let me go back to the start R reminder <laughs> nakajima and kitamiya are the tag team champions in noah and they've broken up so they what they did is that they're going to have a match where each guy is going to nominate a tag team partner and whoever wins that match is going to keep the titles as a new tag team so we have kitamiya going with kiyomiya and we know kiyomiya is teaming with inamura and so weirdly enough it kind of feels like outside of congo congo is reuniting and then on this side we have nakajima and who selected Manabu Soya to be his tag team partner. And so, if you ask me what we're going to see is Nakajima and Manabu Soya win, and it's going to push Soya out of Congo too. He's probably gonna maybe team up with Namura and Kitamiya too, but that is going to, to lead into Congo eventually like just not having anyone until it's down to Nakajima and Keno and then they can have a feud and we're going to know that Nakajima did all of this including losing his hair as a means to destroy Congo from the inside and at that point Nakajima could be a, a baby face or a heel Keno could be a babyface or a heel, and that's what it comes down to Keno and Nakajima. And that's when Congo reunites to fight Nakajima. And I think that is there's potential there. Uh, but nonetheless, this match was fantastic. I thought it was one of the better matches that I've seen in Noah this year. It was kind of weird. It was not, not weird. It was kind of different because it is a cage match. It is like I know it's not like a straight up just like wrestling match like a Goshiosaki match so like it's hard to compare a bit against many other matches because Noah doesn't really do a lot of stuff like this but I did think it 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 was fantastic and I think it would, like cage matches are so rare that it was definitely worth watching uh just even for the historical purposes you know but it was still a fantastic match the only other match that I think I would mention about this show was the GHC Junior Heavyweight um, Number One Contendership Battle Royal. I think a couple of shows back I did say that Kotoge, the champion, was going to be defending his title in this match, but no, I was mistaken. I I I, I got the the promo incorrectly. It was just a Number One Contenderships match, and this match I thought it was it was fun. It was weird because it kind of felt more like a a fight between stables because we do have Los Perros del Mal de Japón, the new stable that just got created with Nosawa, Eita, Yohei, uh, and two more guys that I'm not, Kotaro Suzuki, and I don't remember, I think it's Hidaka. I think so. Um, so there's that team. And then you have Stinger, and then you have 
Congo, and then you have Daisuke uh, Harada's team, uh, Momono Senshu Attack. And so you had four stables pretty much just like all in the ring at the same time, battling each other. Uh, the match eventually came down to Hayata and Yohei, and with Hayata winning, the match went about 35 minutes. And it was like, I don't know, like some parts were really fun, especially like because they could clear the ring and then do stuff like just like maybe a two on two or stuff like that. That stuff was great. When it was everyone inside the ring, it was just like your, you know, like your normal battle royal or royal rumble where it's like just a clusterfuck inside the ring. But I, I did think uh, some parts of it were really fun. Uh, and yeah, like Hayato versus Yohei at the end was really fun. Yohei, like he was, I guess, arguably the only surprise of the match. He did like a, a return. He had been out for a couple of weeks. And so it felt like a big deal. And him and Hayata like felt like a big deal. And so Hayata won the match. He spoiler challenge Kotoge for the championship on Muta the World the next day. And he actually won the championship. So Hayata at this point, as I am recording, is a champion. Uh so good for him. The rest of the show was just kind of there. Um uh, like in the opener, Manabu Soya defeated Kinya Okada. Okada looked fantastic. Uh but it was it was really nothing. Stinger, Hayata, and Ogawa defeated Fuji, uh, Fujimura and Yano. I don't even know why this match took place. If Stinger was going to be in the battle royal anyway, uh, this just didn't need to be here. And then we had a, a dreadful 22-minute Sugura Gun versus Funky Express match. Uh, it was an eight-man elimination match. Kasunari Murakami, Kasushi Sakuraba, Kendo Kashin, and Takashi Sugiura defeated uh, Akitoshi Saito, Masao Inoue, Mohamed Yone, and Shuhei Taniguchi. I actually found this to be dreadful, slow, and boring. The story was that Yone uh, eliminated everyone uh, from Sugiura Gun first. I mean, yeah, except Sugiura, and then Sugiura eliminated everyone from Funk Express to win the match. There was a huge, huge botch that I don't know if I just missed the joke, but what I saw was Sugura lariated, uh, lariated, uh, close-lined, <laughs> Kendo Kashin on the ropes. He did eliminate it, but then Kashin jumped and eliminated himself. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Maybe I missed the joke, but... uh. Like the results has it as Mohamed Yone def- uh, eliminated Kendo Kashin. And if that is the case, then that is an incredibly huge botch because that is not what happened. It actually seemed like Kendo Kashin eliminated himself after Sugura tried to eliminate him, his own teammates. So that was a clusterfuck. This was slow. To me, this should have just been Sugura versus Taniguchi on a, on a hoss fight. And that w- I would have been perfectly happy with it. But uh, like as of this was... I thought it was just long and boring and dreadful. And the only other match was Ms Alliance, Masaki Mochizuki and Naomichi Morifuji defeating Kaito Kiyomiya and Yoshiki Namura. This was uh, about 18 minutes. This was a good match, nothing special. I I was kind of surprised that Inamura took the loss with Mochizuki because I think I've just gotten accustomed to Kiyomiya being the one who loses. But I thought it was okay. Um... I I didn't even think that they were teasing Marufuji versus Kiyomiya for anything. 
uh, this this really just kind of felt like they were trying to get three of these four guys in the card because they kind of had to, and that was it. But other than that, like I didn't really look much into this match. It was just like good wrestling, and I think that's okay. And so, arguably, this was also a one match show, the the cage match, but like differently from from all japan and definitely from tokyo joshi i would definitely suggest you go out of your way to watch that steel cage match it was so different from what we're used to with cage matches and it was so good uh it was heated it it, it felt like real probably because a lot of the strikes were real but um yeah, so there was no other cage war 2021. The next day they did have Muta the World, uh, Noah's 27th uh, of June show. This also took place at the Noah TV studio. Just really quick, uh, Inamura defeated Okada, Los Perros del Mal de Japón, uh, Hidaka and Suzuki defeated Fujimura and Yano. Taniguchi defeated Saito, Inoue and Yone in a four-way elimination match. So it was like a funky express. Uh, explosion match and then Los Perros del Mar de Japón Eita, Nosawa and Yohei defeated Stinger Hayata, Yoshioka and Ogawa Kongo uh, Hao, Nakajima, Soya, Nyo and Tadasuke defeated uh, Daisuke Harada, Hajime Ohara Junta Miyawaki, Kaito Kiyomiya and Masaki Tamiya Hayata defeated Kotoge as I mentioned for the Junior Heavyweight Championship uh, Ems Alliance Masato Tanaka and Naomishima Fuji defeated Sugura Gun, Sakuraba, and Sugura. Nothing special, really. And then in the main event, the Great Muta, not Keiji Muto, the Great Muta defeated Keno because Muta must win everything. Uh, the only relevant thing about this whole show is Keno's flaming kick on Muta. And I think if you've watched that GIF, you've watched the show. I don't think you need to watch anything else. Uh, but yeah, that was Noah. It's, I mean, Noah has been doing so much. Uh, and this weekend just felt like super packed for them. But that is it for the shows in Japan. Uh, there's some other developments happening. Uh, Stardom is building to a pay-per-view on the weekend. We have the finals of the King of DDT also happening on the weekend. Uh, I think New Japan is coming has their has a couple of shows coming up on on the weekend too where the New Japan that's chasing the never open weight six men titles uh, so there's definitely have things happening but that will be until next week because now we are done with Japan and you know it it is time for the impact forecast Impact Wrestling for July the 1st, 2021. The first Impact of July. And it's not fully booked right now. I think there's still going to be some stuff announced. Maybe tomorrow or on the day. But so far we know that it will be TJP and Falaba teaming against Rich Swan and Willie Mack. I do suspect that the winner of this match will eventually chase Bylan by the sign for a tag team title match at... Slammiversary, so that being the case, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Rich Swan and Willie Mack, nor I would be surprised if this ends up being like some kind of shenanigan where we have a three-way title match at Slammiversary. 
uh, because TJP is not chasing the X Division Championship anymore. Uh, we also have Chris Bay versus Pity Williams. Uh, those two are part of the Ultimax match at Slammiversary. There's been like a storyline where the good guys are pretty much fighting the bad guys. The bad guys being Rohira Jude, Mahabali Shura, Ace Austin, and Manman Fulton. And so Chris Bay is kind of like in the middle, doesn't want to really help anyone. And so Pity Williams is going to, I guess, punch some sense into him. <laughs> And the only other match announced uh, so far is the main event where Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers will team up against Moose, Sammy Callahan, and Chris Saban. So this is a Team Don Callis versus Team Tommy Dreamer match. Uh, the interesting things here are obviously Callahan and Omega are headed into Slammiversary in a title match, but also Chris Saban versus Moose has been booked for Slammiversary. And maybe this actually gives us a hint of what's going to happen with the Good Brothers at Slammiversary. I have to imagine they're going to have a match. But nonetheless, it, I think it should be good. I mean, I'm always down for, for some Moose versus Omega and some Saban versus Omega. And we can get glimpses of what Callahan versus Omega may be come Slammiversary. We are, uh, I guess, like three weeks-ish. Uh, away from Slammiversary, so they need to start cementing some things. That is the only thing that has been announced so far. We know that they've announced that they're going to start doing tapings with people, so that is coming up uh, July 18th and 19th. If you're in Nashville, I think you can go and, and catch some, some live impact, so I'm all for it and happy that we're going to finally get some live fans in the crowd. And that is it for Impact. And that is also it for this week's WRPX. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and WRPXpodcast.com. Uh, leave a like, a subscription, a review, especially on iTunes. Everything helps uh, the algorithms to get us in more ears. Uh, in addition, you can go to TheWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find the written versions of every uh, show that we talked about this week and every other week on the podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter on, as DWRevolution, um, where right now I am talking some, some smack on Bully Ray trying to stay relevant, and people are trying to argue me that he's relevant. What? Anyway, uh, last but not least, figure for W Online, I do live coverage of Impact Wrestling every Thursday night, so be sure to check out that. And that is it for this week. Thank you for listening. Remember to share the podcast. And until next week, adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.